welcome back to We Have the Numbers. The whole family is back together. Pat is not physically back together. He's in South Dakota, had a lovely interaction with uh, the people who happened to be in South Dakota at this random hotel with him, but that's another story for another day. And Trevor is back on the pod after a move. Trevor, how'd it go? It went great. As good as a move can go. You know, I'm not sure that our movers were actively addicted to meth, so that's a win. <laughs> and you and you and Kat, you and your wife are still together after the move. We are, yeah. What an intro. Glad that you guys are still together and still married. With the challenge, we've reached the end of the regular season. And this episode that we just saw was by far the best that we've had. We had the best challenge to date. We had raw emotion. We had violence. And we had a double elimination that just happened to be hall brawl. It was awesome. And we're still trying to wrap our heads around everything that just happened. So all that we can do now is hope that we can deliver you the best episode of We Have the Numbers of the season. We'll try our best. Apologies in advance if Pat fails us once again, but he's, he's trying, I promise. So Justin, kicking things off right away. Going to this, this episode, we knew two things from last week's teaser. We knew there would be a double elimination and we knew that it would be Hall Brawl. Describe your feeling heading into tonight. I was so, I was tingly with anticipation. I, I was so excited. I love a good old fashioned slobber knocker and everybody was on the table. Finally. So we could, we didn't know who was going to be thrown in to hall brawl. Literally everybody at the beginning of the episode, banana said, uh, the games have finally begun, which seems nuts that it took 15 weeks to be here. And I think it's an entire indictment on the red scroll bit, but I was jacked for this episode. I, I was too. And you just, you mentioned it. Everybody had a red skull at this point, And I don't think it's a coincidence that once this whole red skull strategy thing was no longer in play, the season got really exciting. So it was fantastic. And we got into a challenge right away. And that challenge was called crash course. And it was an individual challenge and it was fucking awesome. I can't think of a better way to describe it. It was just fucking awesome. So you had 10 castmates standing on these tall barrels, essentially, that they were suspended in harnesses. They were okay. And then one person was behind the wheel of a, of a car. And they got to drive that car at the barrels as fast as they could, Tokyo drift into the other castmates and, and knock over the barrels. And whoever knocked over the most would win. So first, let's talk about the challenge itself. I mentioned how epic it was, but there were so many hilarious moments that came from Crash Course. So Cindy, talk us through some of your favorites. Yeah, I agree with you. This was definitely one of the better challenges that we saw this season. And I think we have to start by talking about how hilarious it is that both Kyle and Nelson hit absolutely nothing in their cars. Um, I will give Nelson credit. He looked way cooler doing it and had a much better line in his confessional right before his run. As he says, please, baby Jesus, I haven't won a challenge all season. Please don't let me be a loser like Kyle and then does the exact same thing that Kyle did. (laughs) Um, But Bananas also, I thought, had a few great moments, um, starting by saying that this was um, car bowling was going to determine your fate in this game, which I think I described it as car bowling to Justin when it first started. Um, And then after his line, or after his run, he comments with, drive it like it's stolen, classic dad joke. Um, But I had a question, and I don't know if anyone else picked up on this, but I don't think anyone in the challenge can do any sort of math. So I'm confused how Bananas knocked down 25 barrels. If everyone is standing on three barrels and every other contestant's, like, total 
is a multiple of three, how did bananas get 25? It seemed like impossible that you could knock down just one or two barrels. It didn't make sense. I couldn't figure it out. It was driving me crazy. I think you could knock down two. I think the bottom one could remain standing. If like a barrel came in and flew and hit them or they lost balance, isn't that how? Okay. It didn't look like any. It I mean, looked they like didn't there was look one pillar or left. Anything. Odds are low. Oh, there was a pillar left. Yeah. True. I don't want to be rude to Trevor either, but they would have to knock down just one, correct, to get to 25? Oh, yeah. 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 True. True. Those were all really great moments. One thing I do want to cover, Cindy, you mentioned that Kyle knocked over zero barrels. And it was only because of that that we found out that Kyle's dad is a stunt driver and does stunts with cars for a living. Any thoughts about that, just in general? Does that explain Kyle's personality? How disappointed is his dad? Any, anyone can feel free to answer this. The only way that this would have ever happened for Kyle to hit zero barrels was if his father was a stunt <laughs> car driver. That is just the most classically Kyle moment to underachieve when it makes zero sense. <laughs> and it was, you, you see like people go and like, like D for instance, just literally just drive straight through, doesn't really do anything. And Kyle is so locked into how to do it that he actually stops on a dime <laughs> right in front of the first the pillar. So like he obviously has driven cars like that before because you couldn't make that mistake unless you're comfortable enough in a car. What I loved is that, you know, if like you go golfing with someone, for example, and they shank a drive and they're like, oh, I'm not used to these clubs. You're like, all right, you're just an asshole. Like you're just not that good of a golfer. Kyle could have easily been like, oh, I'm just not used to this kind of e-brake. Like this isn't yeah. like a 2016 <laughs> model e-brake and I'm, I'm driving used to on driving. the wrong side of the road. Yeah, I'm yeah. driving on the wrong side of the road. Anything. He just, he just fully owned up to it, apologized to his dad and I loved it. Another favorite part of mine, which we didn't really cover in the group text, is that there was a stunt guy next to every single castmate, which I assume they weren't just going to give D the keys to a car and expect her to drift it into the barrels. Do you think they so, had like the foot pedal, like the driver's ed foot pedal? I have no like, idea. the car? I have no idea. I imagine there was something that would prevent an absolute catastrophe. But Trevor, I want to focus on this guy. Who is he? And yeah. how did he become the chief driving stuntman of the Czech Republic? Yeah, yeah. So this was another one of those times where TJ contacted me and needed help getting someone across the border in the Czech Republic. This was uh, the guy that used to drive us to the airport when we lived in Frankfurt. And his name was Frank. Um, <laughs> and every time we'd get in the car, he would just look at us and go, Frank will fast to the airport. <laughs> and this guy used to drive every year, would drive from frankfurt to monte carlo and hook up his like a homemade catheter so he could pee while he went the entire way and try to beat his time so when i saw the driving set you know i, I kind of saw the the silhouette i knew i knew it was frank wow you know? frank's really come up since the days of airport trips if he's now yeah he has he worked, has he's worked, come up worked. with the the country you know so it's it's beautiful that's true Wow. That's, yeah. that's true. It's, he's very symbolic of the Czech Republic uh, as a yeah. whole. So great times with Frank. Uh, ultimately, Frank pro helped propel two people to victory. So mm -hmm. bananas won for the men. Casey, who's really coming on strong toward the end of the season, she won for the women. And it was up to the two of them who were predictably safe and were almost guarantees for the final, TJ's final, excuse me. They had to pick somebody else. And Casey wanted to bring in Fessy. She's aligned with Fessy. She thinks he deserves to go to the final. And somehow 
Bananas convinces her that, you know what, I'm not going to put Fessy in, even though he's by far the most intimidating competitor that he has left on the men's side of things. I'm not going to put in Fessy, but I promise Kyle, we really got to put in Kyle or he's going to go in with the house vote. And she just relents and says, okay, Pat, as the person who reminds us every single week that you have bananas on your team and you are absolutely crushing us in fantasy. How does bananas who has been tricking people for 20 seasons continue to trick people into going with his plans for the tribunal? I feel like every week you ask me a question that I don't know the answer to. And this is another one. I, I don't have a good answer for you. She's not in his alliance. Anytime bananas tells you to do something, you know, it's just going to benefit him. Don't do that. Uh, my, my only explanation, she's a rookie. And at this point, bananas is the challenge. I think we actually underestimate how intimidating that has to be that he is the star, star of the show. Like he runs every conversation. And so TJ has shown that if you turn around and say somebody's name, that's who he's going to go with. So she could just turn around and say, Fessy, she doesn't bananas gets his way. And that, you know, it's been that way the entire season. This guy just has put the fear of God. I agree with you and every other person. And I, I almost think that although Josh is the only one who would ever say this out loud, people are thinking about future seasons and bananas is a mainstay. He's coming back and you probably don't want to be on his bad side in the future, assuming that you get the chance to run with him again. So anyway, uh, absolutely incredible that she just immediately relents. So they pull in Kyle and the tribunal again is bananas, Casey and Kyle, which means that bananas and Kyle are going to get to choose whoever they want to potentially vote into the elimination. So we're back at the house now after this challenge and we learn a bunch of new information. Kyle bananas, Jenny and Melissa are apparently in alliance. There's a ton of deal-making going on. Jenny and Melissa go up to Corey and Nelson and say they won't vote for them and that they would instead vote for Rogan, who previously looked out for Jenny when D was targeting her early in the season. This is a theme that is now coming back to bite her. So Justin, two questions for you. Are you with me that it has been absolutely impossible to decipher alliances this season? And just how bad is Jenny at the political side of this game? So at the beginning, there were a bunch of alliances that we knew, right? There were like two and three person alliances. There was the Holy Trinity that those girls are all gone. Uh, there was the Wes and Bananas Alliance. And then Corey and Nelson and then Fessy got picked up. And those were all pretty clear. And then like Kyle and Melissa, like the UK people. But once all of like basically, I don't know, 75% of those people are all gone. And after that started to happen, everything except for the Corey, Nelson, Fessy Alliance has been in flux. And I, Bananas has just been floating. We talked about it last week about how we didn't understand how we didn't get thrown into the elimination. Apparently, he had an alliance the whole time that they just didn't show. And Rogan now all of a sudden is cast out, and we don't understand why he's not in the UK alliance. It doesn't make any sense. To your other question, I'm going to go first take on you. Jenny's bad. I think that she got fucked on this. I think she got a bad edit for one because of D. And two, I think she played things the way that they were supposed to be and just got screwed over. So she knew that she was a target because she's strong. So she was trying to find a way to not get thrown in. So she had an alliance with Rogan, but apparently Rogan's an outcast. So she went with Bananas, Kyle, and Melissa, and Casey, apparently, and they were all going to vote in D. So the plan was to vote in D in the House vote, and then Jenny would be safe. 
but Melissa fucked it up by voting for Bailey instead of D. So then Bailey voted for Melissa back and all the numbers are fucked up. And now D doesn't have four votes. She only has two and Jenny still has three. So I think Jenny got screwed because Melissa fucked her over and Bailey was like, well, fuck you guys. What do I have to do? So I think she played it the right way and she's just bad at this. So people blame her anyway. I think she did herself a disservice when she was then in the house vote trying to explain herself. She, didn't, shouldn't, that. she shouldn't talk is the problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I agree with you. So speaking of the house vote, before we get to I Jenny. She can't close her mouth though with those uh, lips, according to Rogan. Jesus. <laughs> aggressive. That was, that was a really aggressive dude. comment. That was pretty bad. Uh, speaking of Rogan, we get in the house vote. He knows the numbers are against him. And I think it's a cool just uh, emotional move there to just know the numbers are against you and know you're going to get voted in. So just get in front of it and just kind of beat your chest and say, I'm not a pussy. I want to go in and I'm ready for, for whatever's in front of me. Uh, I don't, I don't quite get it because there's a chance he doesn't go in and just automatically makes the final, but Rogan just does Rogan. And and we know that's really himself in character going back to the women. Justin mentioned it. It was, it was kind of a comedy of errors, uh, all of all of the women did that office scene where they just point at each other at the sa- at the same time, <laughs> and they all vote. So it's just essentially a burn vote. It just comes down to the men. And if Melissa had voted for D, none of this would have been an issue, and Jenny wouldn't have gone in. But Rogan gets the final call and says, "My vote is for Jenny. Go put your name on the board." Which is, whoa, dude, just take a breather. What I want to ask Cindy now is that Jenny at the very end asked any of the women if they wanted to change their votes. And I think uh, specifically she was looking at Melissa, but you know, I, it, that seemed like a desperate move. But then I started thinking about it and I'm like, man, one of these three women are going to have to go into an elimination against Jenny unless they change her vote. So Cindy, do you think they should have made the decision to, to potentially switch what they initially voted? Yeah, so Justin and I were talking about this, and it seems super informal. So I guess we don't know if there's a rule about changing your vote or not, but I don't see why you wouldn't be able to. Um, So I thought it was the perfect time for Melissa to kind of redeem herself, or even Bailey. Like, I don't think Bailey had any sort of, like, loyalties to D, so why at this point couldn't even Bailey just be like, yeah, I changed my vote to D? Um, but I also thought Jenny gave them an out. So if they were all in agreement before that they were going to throw D in, like Jenny kind of threw them a bone being like, Hey, do you want to change your vote kind of thing? And both of them were just like, no, thanks. Um, so I don't know, maybe they thought that the tribunal would end up throwing her in no matter what. That's kind of the only thing I could think of at this point. If Bailey would have switched her vote to D, I think she would have ended up being thrown in. So like, I don't know if she was aware of this at the, at the time. But there were two women in there that were part of the same alliance, and they happened to vote in one of them. So if if she would have voted in D, Bailey was definitely going into the purgatory. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point, and I feel like that's the kind of stuff that we miss with these quick ninety minute edits. Like we don't quite know where their heads are, and we don't know what Bailey's thinking going into that, or if there are other dynamics there. And then, of course, D just being absent from all of these episodes, we're clearly missing a huge part of what's actually going on in the house. So uh, we're only left to decipher the information that we have, and, and of course, we do our best. But I think both of you make really good points there, and it almost seems like you know, Justin, you've convinced me that Jenny probably did do the right thing and was stuck between a rock and a hard place. So 
Speaking of Jenny and speaking of, of politicking, which I don't know if that's a real word or not, but I love it because it's a word during the challenge. But between the challenge and between what is now a very crucial American election year, politics are on our minds, mostly from the challenge, but also from America. So let's pretend for a minute that each of you are, are running or is running for office. When I say go, I want you to tell me which castmate you would least want to manage your political campaign. And Cindy, we'll come back to you to start. So I think I'm going to have to go with Melissa for this one. Bless her little heart because she is extremely loyal and I think is someone who would do kind of anything for her friends. Um, but this episode, I think she really showed that her politicking might not be the best. And she really messed up the houseboat and screwed Jenny over, even though she didn't mean to necessarily. But I think I'm going to need a campaign manager that's going to think through all of those moves and know that, I that she really has my back. So unfortunately, that's not Melissa. Yeah, M Melissa may have voted for Jill Stein, honestly, in the last election. I think that's <laughs> I guess a good way to describe her. Pat, who do you not want managing your campaign? And I would say that if you ran for office, it would be very tough to take you down. So this person would have to be very bad in order to kill your chances. Yeah, and uh, he'd definitely be able to. Also of note, uh, what Zach referenced earlier, I got called a lib earlier because I was wearing a face mask in a San Diego <laughs> or a South Dakota a Holiday Inn, which was... Uh, you know, enlightening and also super obvious that that was going to happen. Um, but anyway, <laughs> uh, the easy choices here are D because she's a racist and Nelson because he's Nelson. But I'm actually going to go Kyle, um, mainly because can you imagine Kyle trying to handle the sheer project management it would take to organize people to run a campaign? Um I, I certainly cannot. It, no. it, it would it would be amazing to watch. He'd get <laughs> flustered, mental breakdown, but definitely more of a follower than a leader. The other thing he's definitely doing is giving away all my political secrets. Like the first night he goes out, which would probably be the first night on the campaign, he's telling everyone about the things I've done that I will not mention here. But anyway, I I, I would lose. Yeah, your, your skeletons would be out of the closet very quickly if Kyle was in charge of all of your campaign secrets. That's a, that's a really good point. Justin, who do you not want running your campaign? So second week in a row, I'm also going to pick Kyle with Pat. <laughs> and my reason is a little different. It's the only reason why I'm doing it. Otherwise, I would pick. If it was a stupid one, I'd, I'd pick Nelson. But we're a pro-Nelson podcast now, at least for the, the time being. Um, Kyle's a snake. He's an absolute snake. He blows with the wind where whoever's the most powerful and just follows that vote. I'm, I'm a principled man. If I'm running for office, I have morals. I have stances. I don't want to throw away my character just for a political campaign. I want to win on my terms. And Kyle would definitely be throwing some nasty attack ads, doing whatever he can to win. And I don't want that on my campaign. Not to mention you'd be running as a liberal in Iowa, so he'd be leaving your campaign immediately. <laughs> Wait, why are we back in Iowa? Yeah, why are we back there? Because you're running for office. No. That's how this ends. <laughs> yeah, you got go, to gotta go to your home state. All right, Trevor, I'm going to come to you last, but I just want to tell a very brief anecdote. So I did a radio show in high school. As you guys know, I did a Monday night football pregame show. And I wasn't the star of this local AM radio station in Ormond Beach. It was a former mayor of Daytona Beach named Big John. That's his legal name is Big John. 
<laughs> and he ran for office That's successfully. The thing I've ever yeah. heard. It is. And the reason I bring this up, Trevor, is because I could see you legally changing your name to something and running for office and winning and becoming the mayor of somewhere with like Big T or like Trev Dog or Cornbread. Yeah, T-Bone. Cornbread. T-Bone, Cornbread, yeah. Whatever it may be. Anyway, anyway, if you were running as Cornbread, who yeah. do you not want managing your Cornbread campaign? Yeah, so for me, I think it's – I'm picking Johnny Bananas for a reason that I think might surprise some of you. I think Johnny – is going to basically organize a coup and eventually when things are looking up, take over my campaign and win my presidency instead of me. He's going to know everything. He's going to have all the data. He's going to be super manipulative and somehow come on out on top, making me look like, like just total crap. So I think bananas is my, is my call. One, one comment on JB's, I really thought you were going to rewind to, to swaggy and just say he would have, risky fiscal policy and just take someone who, who's out of the show. Uh, <laughs> shocked you didn't do that. Honestly, he has no place in my cabinet. <laughs> Secretary of crypto, I think, is, yeah, what, exactly. is, what, is, is what he would do. Man, Don't that was great. bananas. End of story. Yeah, I, you, you can't trust bananas. That's a, that's a plot directly from the show Veep. It happened. It happened there. It could certainly happen on your, on your political campaign. So I don't blame you. Man, those are a lot more fun when I'm not involved. And you guys did wonderful answers. So I'm glad this family reunion really stirred some creative energy among the group. So let's go back into the house and back into the tribunal. Again, we have Bananas, Kyle, and Casey up there, and they get to choose. Not many people to choose from at this point. So for the women, they pretend a little bit like they're mad at Melissa for not voting for D, but in the end, they decide to choose D and Bailey. I just want to make a very brief comment that every time I see D, it is like seeing a ghost. We made a very popular meme on our Instagram page at We Have the Numbers Pod about this exact thing, but it is just alarming. It's like honestly, seeing D is like when I watch TV these days and I see people very close together not wearing masks. It's like the same sort of visceral reaction I have when I see her. <laughs> or you're or you're like watching a movie and like Kevin Spacey walks in and you're like, mm, no. <laughs> oh no, honey. <laughs> Hi, why'd you have to take it there, man? Come on. That we, just we got really dark. That <laughs> and, then, and then for the men, they decided to choose Corey and Nelson, which I am shocked they didn't put Fessy in, but I know bananas doesn't really see eye to eye with Corey and Nelson. They kind of have a rivalry going back many seasons and that's pretty much a layup for them. What I loved about this though, is that, Corey and Nelson didn't say anything negative about each other. They kind of said that, you know, if they need to go down, they'll be ready. But then after the tribunals, when a really magical thing happened, and that is that Nelson approaches Kyle and Bananas, and he asks to go in because he wants to be the one who fights for it. He says, Corey has too much at stake. He's fighting for his pregnant girlfriend. He's fighting for his kids. And it was a really wonderful moment. So, Justin mentioned that we are now a pro-Nelson podcast, which means that at one point we were not, and for good reason, because Nelson said some pretty terrible things. So Trevor, question for you. What got into Nelson that turned him from Dan Bilzerian into Mother Teresa over the course of six episodes? And do you think he's truly doing this out of the kindness of his heart, or does Corey have something on him that we don't know about? So, so I, I'm going to take the very positive view here. I think what's what's changed Nelson is literally being locked up in a bunker with Corey. I think Corey's that friend that's like, he may be your age, but he's a few years beyond you in maturity. 
And when you're all shook about something or upset about something, he takes you out to 30,000 feet, puts it in perspective. I think when he looks at, at Corey, he sort of wants to emulate it. So this is as close as he could get. Or on the other end of the spectrum, he looks that, hey, there's still Rogan here, bananas, fessy. I have no shot in the final, so I might as well get some shine doing this while I can. But those are the, the, two, the two options in my book. I'm going to go with the former. <laughs> I think, I think the, the ladders are pretty, it was a pretty bold play, but you're right. I didn't even consider that, that maybe this is his chance to take out one of the big guys who could beat him or just kind of go out on top. And we'll get to it in a minute, but he, he definitely surprised a lot of us tonight. I think so, also Dee being a racist, now that we don't see her in the episode anymore, we get to see like much more of him and not just like, the stupid condescending side. But I agree with Trevor that maybe this has been there all along and we just don't see much of it because it's not great TV all the time over like D-drama and all that, so. I also want to point out the, the dichotomy of Nelson talking about sacrificing himself to Bananas who stole money from somebody already on the challenge a few years ago, just took the money and run. And like, Bananas is like, oh yeah, I respect you but this is really stupid. Like you see it in his head. He's like, you're being really dumb right this now. This is the challenge. Yeah. So, yeah. That, that, that's a really good point. But Cindy, I kind of like your theory that D kind of burned the challenge to the ground. And now Nelson's kind of like rising from the ashes. as this like beautiful, like Nelson. cast member with a soul. more eloquently than I wow. put it. I had, I had a few more seconds. Marcus. He's a writer. People forget about that. I'm a writer. I had more time to think about it. So anyway, <laughs> Now it's time for the main event. We have an elimination. We knew this already from the teaser last week, but it is everybody's favorite elimination. It's Hall Brawl. If you don't know what Hall Brawl is, that means you haven't listened to us this season and you've never watched the challenge before, which both of those things could be good decisions. But if you don't know what it is, very quickly, two people at opposite ends of a very narrow hall, they have to run through each other, run out the other side of the hall and ring a bell. And the first person to do that two out of three times wins. Before we start and before the tribunal formally picked who was going to go in, they spoke about how good of a friend Nelson was to Corey. And that's when they told Corey that Nelson uh, raised his hand, sacrificed potentially his own chances of going into the final in order to protect Corey because he said how many, you know, how important it was for Corey to have the chance of winning the money for his family. I got a little teary. I'm not going to lie. That was the most emotion I felt before in challenge history. Nothing's, nothing's really come close. Pat, you're not a guy of that, of that much emotion. I want to know if you felt it. And then secondly, you are a man who likes to gamble, which is fine, man after my own heart. If Corey wins, what percent of that needs to go to Nelson? Yeah. So uh, to be clear, if I have enough Miller lights, I will get emotional. So uh, it's, it's, it's in there. It's buried under like, you know, multiple layers of suppression, but anyway, multiple 24 packs. Right, yeah. uh, that's about the most genuine shit you're going to see on reality TV. And I know like people call bullshit, but I honestly think they are really good friends. And that appeared to be extremely genuine uh, for Nelson to turn around from you. You mentioned it in like six episodes from like some of the, nastiest, sexiest, uh, sexist comments we've heard on the show to being Bailey's support system and Corey's savior is absolutely incredible. Massive turnaround for a boy. No more Nelson memes, probably just this season, but no more Nelson memes were 
<laughs> we're pro Nelson. Um, also love that I said sexiest there instead of sexist. Uh, you look great. <laughs> sexist. He did too. Uh, oh, uh, Nelson's fro. I, that's probably what got in my head. Pretty sexy. But anyway, sexist comments. But I would say that if Corey was to win, you know he's coming. I don't think it's quite 50%, but you know he's coming back at Nelson with a huge paycheck after that. That was some truly heroic shit, and I'm sure he would honestly reward him there. I was trying to think through this scenario of, like, I did that for one of you, and then I lost, which I probably would lose if I was in a hall brawl. What I would expect, and I wouldn't ask for anything, but I would be very disappointed with anything under 30%. Yeah, I I think 30 to 50 is about the range you need to go in. Um, I think, let's say that, Corey would get, offer 50. Nelson would say no because he's new Nelson. And then they'd settle around 40%. Yeah, that seems fair. I don't think 50 is outrageous. This is the opportunity to win. It's not to win. So nobody said well, iffy. everybody, you know, everyone's being so nice here. No, no, Have no. some hope, Justin. Him, him taking a bullet is giving him the opportunity oh. to win. It's not giving him a victory. I, I, I want to say though, I would like to say that if Corey went in against Rogan, there is a 100% chance Corey loses that hall brawl. I don't Corey know. That? I don't think I so. I think so. I don't, 100%. <laughs> I think Rogan wins that 80% of the time. Justin, this is a really bad take. I, there would have to be some sort of like serious injury. I, I agree. Injury, that's, yeah. That's a shit take. Corey, after Nelson lost, the way he was looking down and like didn't even celebrate, he knew he was taking the L there if he would have gone in. He said to Nelson, you took a bullet for me. Like he knew what was up. I'm just, I'm just saying. Yeah. Yeah. He looked weird because he was crying. <laughs> and, and, and Nelson was concussed. Anyway, let's get into all of that. We're, 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 jump, we're jumping the gun here a little bit. So anyway, uh, no surprise. The tribunal honors Nelson's wishes. He goes in. So he gets to face Rogan in a hall brawl. And then on the other side, I feel like we really missed a lot of the buildup here. So you don't really know what was going on with it. But they vote for D, who we think was in her third elimination of the season. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Third elimination. Nobody else has gone in three times. Not even Jay went in three times. Which she is did, amazing. I thought. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Jay went in three times. We'll scratch that. <laughs> Jay went in three times as well, but nobody else has gone in three times besides Jay, and he was a rookie. So that's really saying something about the way people thought about D this season. And D is a massive underdog going into this. Although – Jenny had to be having flashbacks to last season when Tori, as CT called her, the new choo-choo train, ran right through her and knocked her out, which, was a, which seemed like a huge upset at the time. Anyway, their hall brawl starts, Jenny versus D, and D gets absolutely trucked by Jenny and basically almost gets pushed out of her own end on the first attempt, Jenny rings the bell. It's 1-0. And we're like, man, it could not possibly get worse than that. Then we saw the second attempt. And Jenny literally pushed D into her bell before Jenny touched the bell. So all the way out of the hall. So Justin, first, yikes. Big yikes. Second, is this the most fitting way for the apocalypse to end? Beautiful. It was beautiful. So we, in last episode, we talked about what we want to see in our hall brawl. And I think all of us use some different variation of D or most of us did D in there getting hammered by somebody. And I think I picked Casey 
and Jenny, I thought, I don't know. I was unclear. I was unsure if Jenny would be able to handle it. Cause I saw her against Tori. She came in scared and she got ran over and she was not scared. She was extremely upset. She was definitely working on her tackling drills in the off season and just murdered her. It was not close. It, w- it was not close for a single second. D spent more time on one foot than she did on two feet. Oh beautiful. man, that that's a that's a really beautiful way to put it. And in our post at the very end, as Trevor so uh, eloquently pointed it out, whoever the MTV editor is that's had to spend the last whatever four weeks deleting every image of D from every scene of the challenge, that person gets a much needed vacation. So wonderful job. By that person we really appreciate your efforts now you can sleep easy at night knowing that d will not be in any future episodes of this season of the challenge so that one's over d is going home we get to the men and looking at them the tail of the tape very clearly shows that rogan is very big and nelson is not so big it looks like a middle linebacker going up against a gadget running back so it's not a really fair matchup in in a little bit of space but TJ blows the whistle and says, go. They run to me in the middle. And Nelson puts up just a hell of a fight. He stood Rogan up. He's battling. He actually gets Rogan closer to his side of the bell. And all he had to do was let go a split second earlier. He may have had a chance of running and ringing the bell. But he gets caught up in the moment. And they're fighting and they're fighting. And ultimately, Rogan gets the the, the first bell. So he's up 1-0 in the best of three series. Then they start the second round. They're running toward the middle, and it's about to cut to commercial break. And we saw Nelson go high over Rogan, and all of us were just like, no, buddy, that's, you're not doing the right thing. We thought he was going to get suplexed, but we come back from break, and he's still putting up a hell of a fight. So they're neck and neck. They let go of each other at about the exact same time after a really intense battle. And Nelson has another chance, but trips over himself and loses. So I think we can all say that he put up a much better battle against Rogan than any of us could have possibly predicted. And between that and him sticking up for his boy and him being nice to Anissa and being nice to Bailey, it was a really nice end to the season for for Nelson, who's going in the opposite direction on the favorability scale as D is. So Trevor, before I get into the symbolism of all this too far, Nelson, when he takes off his helmet and everybody's crying and feeling good about him, he looks like a zombie. He looks like the walking dead. So on a scale from one to extremely, how concussed was he? I mean, I said in our group chat, his brain was actually mashed potatoes at that point. Um, There was nothing going on, but then somehow like this, like, I don't know, weird circuit in his brain must have reconnected because he talks like softly and calmly like a therapist and kind of gives us a nice send off. It made literally no sense. I think his brain is completely rewired. He might end up at like Caltech as a, I don't know, physics rocket scientist or something at this point. I have no idea what's going on. I'm sure to this day he still has no idea. I, I thought of Will Ferrell in old school when he blacks out and just debates. Like that was basically what was happening in Nelson right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, he he did not look like he was in the right place. And, uh, you know, this wouldn't be the first time that Nelson was in the medic tent this season. So hopefully he's okay now. We've seen him on Instagram. I think he's I think he's doing all right. And he probably just feels really good that his image has been rebuilt. Now, 
going back to the symbolism of this, Cindy, I probably stole some of your thoughts as I typically do, which I don't mean to do. I just talk too much. But Nelson really did have this roller coaster of a season. Uh, I'd love to just hear your overall take on his performance and if you kind of have to really give it up to him for this one last fight against Rogan. Yeah, so I want to start by saying we definitely can't forget the disgusting things he said to Kayla or berating Anissa after that challenge. But it does seem like he's almost made this complete 180. And like I said earlier, I really want to see the good in everybody. And I hope that this has been a side of Nelson all along. We just have had the chance to see more of it now. Um, But I do think we have to commend him for the effort he put against Rogan. Because I think most of us thought he didn't stand a chance. And so for it to kind of be that close was pretty admirable. I think you make a a really good point in that we can't forget what he said and we can't forget what some of the other castmates have tweeted in the past and we can't forget what D tweeted uh, far too recently. And I think that's a really interesting theme for us to watch as we go from this season into next is how MTV addresses a lot of this because a lot of the castmates, rightfully so, had some of their dirty laundry dug up. And we now know a lot of new information about people that extend uh, beyond Nelson and beyond D. So really good point. Completely agree with you. We don't want to overlook it or condone it. I will say that I'm with you as well, though, that I want to look for the good in every person. He seems to have been coming clean over the last few episodes and to be making legitimate change. And we can only hope that everybody decides to do the same thing. So I appreciate you bringing that up. Now, they're going home. Nelson's on his bike. D is on his bike. Very interesting seasons for both of them. And everybody has a red skull and they're waiting with bated breath. And TJ tells them it's time for the final. And we could not be more excited. It is absolutely electric. We see a great teaser. Pat is um, loves to break down the teasers. So Pat, do it for us right now. What do you expect from what TJ has described as the most brutal final that we've ever had? So I, I do love the teasers. Uh, I was hoping for more of a teaser. It was kind of short. We didn't get much. We saw some awful skiing on a Jenny and then we saw some snow and some mountains and some immediate regret from, from Bailey. And that's about it. So it looks epic. Look, and I think the big thing here is TJ is an honest man. And when he says this is the most brutal final and the first thing he does to the castmates is uh, basically apologize to them for what's about to happen to them, you know, it's going to be really, really good. Uh, So I'm hoping for as many episodes as possible. We hear that there's going to be two eliminations pretty quick there. Um, so I'm, I'm super excited. It looks extremely epic. I can't wait. I know you guys can't wait. I wanted to have you make predictions, but we literally have no idea what this final is going to be like or how it's structured or who wins and who loses. So those predictions would be pretty irrelevant at this point. But we will definitely give you our predictions next time on We Have the Numbers. Before we go with an episode this packed full of exciting things. There are infinite stars to choose from, but I want to conclude as we conclude every episode with your stars of the episode. Justin, you're about to lead off. Thank you. I have two. First off, the first five seconds of the episode, they, they always cut there and it's like last week on the challenge. And for this reason, for this week, some reason they had bananas at the bar and he was standing on top of the bar and he pulled the old old joke where the fire came out and he bent over and the, it was a fire fart. 
the fire. <laughs> and it made me laugh because I'm a child. I couldn't. I, <laughs> I started off cackling right away. It was great. Pat, I'm sure enjoyed it. Tell tell me when that's not going to be funny. I will go to my grave thinking that shit is hilarious, and will also immediately eliminate that from my stars of the episode. <laughs> My second star of the episode is low man wins. So sports are trying to come back. Baseball, basketball, they're going to try. I don't have a lot of faith. Football, I don't see a chance that it'll be able to come back. So I think this might be the last time we see a low man win for months. And I try to take in every moment of it. It, it's great. I, I, Marissa asked me what leg drive was, and I was just like so excited to explain what leg drive was to her. Trevor, I forgot to write your name on the list, but you're up second. Yeah. So first of all, one star of the episode, well, two, two. And obviously the first one is Frank, the stunt, the stunt driver. He also just texted me, said that you were wrong about the predictions. He had to drive the whole cast down to the uh, Austrian Alps. <laughs> so not a big deal, but little insider info here. Uh, my second star of the episode is the contestant safety committee. Um, it's clearly all for looks because you do not send two grown ass men into a hallway to smash heads in like skateboarding helmets. <laughs> what is going on here? Like they clearly have these people all hopped up, just signing their lives away and just no regard for human life. Every time I see that in one of these challenges that they like, they look there like they're picking something out of like the kids section at Dick's Sporting Goods and throwing it on their heads. It is ridiculous. <laughs> so they're my star of the episode just because they're putting me in awe. I turned to Justin immediately after and I go, Nelson already has two black eyes. Like the second they cut to him, you can see his black eyes. Rogan's shoulder exactly. pads didn't get past like his shoulders at all. They were just like all the way up. You were a youth extra large. <laughs> yeah, not not oh great. God. They looked like yeah. you know they looked like Pop Warner kids who probably shouldn't be out there, uh, yeah. you know, barreling into each other like that. But yeah, that's those are two very good stars. Uh, Cindy, uh, who are your stars in the episode? I'm not quite as creative as you guys, and I have to go with a little bit more obvious. But um, I went with loyalty this episode, and again, I have to give it up to Nelson. You know, we are pro Nelson now, and I've honestly had a complete 180 about Nelson. After the episodes with Kayla and Anissa, I was like totally out. He's just a jerk. But we've really seen the sweeter side. And I think that moment with him and Corey was really commendable. Um, and then also my second star this week was Hall Brawl. I think it's been way too long since we've had a really great elimination. And so to see kind of the end of the season before the finale end this way was perfect. They gave the people what they wanted. That's yeah. all we ever want. What Just give the people it. what Not they what want. We what we needed. needed. <laughs> we needed it so badly. And Cindy, the other thing I just want to say is it's very nice having you on the pod because you give us a nice wholesome element. You bring us back to earth every once in a while. You you are our moral compass. And it's very important that we do have stars like loyalty. And then we do bring up that we can't overlook past negative comments. So thank <laughs> you for doing that. Or it would be a runaway train about talking about how we want to just black out with Rogan and Kyle on a road trip through the heartland. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> whatever it is that we do. Pat, who are your stars? Case in point, uh, both Justin and I had farts as one of our stars of the episode. So, uh, but I'll, I'll go quickly with it with the new one, which is uh, Jenny eliminating uh, D 
which is uh, terrific because D sucks, but also uh, gives the editors a rest and we can see the full final as it was meant to be, which is great. Um, the other one for me is actually three. Uh, basically, if you told me <laughs> Invisible Casey, Pregnant Melissa, and Swagulous Bailey would be running TJ's final, I would say no fucking way. It is incredible there in the final. It's awesome. And it speaks to, uh, you know, more seasons because they're all rookies. And so, or well, uh, most of them are rookies. So it's, it's super exciting for, uh, for the challenge, super exciting for us. I'm, I'm interested to see how they do. It is a Christmas miracle that Bailey is in this final after the game or lack of game that she played, but she skated by, did absolutely nothing happened to get Anissa in the worst possible elimination for Anissa. And then for some reason, didn't get voted into this, to this elimination and just made the final. I mean, it is absolutely incredible, but we usually see like stronger contestants, like Rogan never went in an elimination. Polly didn't go in an elimination, but for somebody who is a rookie and bad to make it all the way through is truly incredible. I'm going to need, I'm going to need to fight back on Bailey's behalf on this one because she's not, she's not bad. She's good at puzzles. She won a few challenges. She was in a few tribunals and brought Swaggy in because he didn't win that tribunal. So she actually helped him out in those instances. Granted, she would have got murdered in the hall brawl, but still she was fine. And, and this type of game helped her because I feel like rookies just constantly got thrown in and, the old games and the, the red skull changed it a bit. That's true. All right. I just got attacked by the Bailey apologists. I'm sorry, Bailey, big fan of, we have the numbers on Instagram. Ignore everything I'm saying. I'm, I'm just speaking, I'm speaking, speaking on my behalf, not on behalf of the podcast. I have one star because my other one was leg drive. So Justin took that one. We're all, we're all on the same page. We're one collective brain at this point with, when it comes to the challenge. My other one is, is a, with that. I don't want to be a part of that. Uh, yeah, we're, we're, <laughs> the four of us two, are. You're, two brains. You're, you're on your island. Uh, my, mine is pretty wholesome too. And my, and my star of the episode is TJ and his element. Nothing makes me happier than when there's a challenge that just tickles TJ exactly where he likes to be tickled. And when those, when they were driving toward the barrels and pulling the e-brake and slamming into them, just hearing him laugh in the background, like a little kid watching like a train go around the track. He's just like, <laughs> and he said, that was sick. And he was just so excited. And he loved when Kyle and Nelson missed the barrels. I love seeing TJ like that. It's good that he still finds that amount of joy from the challenge. And then the other part of TJ being in his element came at the very end. I guarantee you, there is not a single moment from any season that he enjoys more than getting to tell the remaining people that they're about to compete in his final, which is also the hardest final they've ever had. Guaranteed, he prepares that in the mirror for months leading up to every single season. And I thought he delivered it well. I don't know about you guys, but I thought he, you know, it was delivered it flawlessly this year. Yeah, I love Mysterious TJ. Absolutely. Yeah. How many, how many uh, runs do you think he got at the barrels? before the castmates actually got there. It, in infinite. Frank, Frank probably had to, to take, like, go to bed for eight hours because he had met his like, legal limit of total working hours in a day, like, just with TJ. <laughs> yeah, like he, they would have to start paying him overtime if they didn't kick TJ out of the car. But yeah, he, he definitely went like 40 <laughs> times before, before any of the castmates got to. So guys, that's the end of the regular season. I had a wonderful time. 
but I cannot wait for what probably will be at least a two-part final. I hope you're ready to bring the thunder. I'm ready to bring the thunder. And we are so excited to discuss the first part of the final in next week's episode. If you haven't yet, for whatever reason, subscribe to We Have The Numbers on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And make sure to go follow us on Instagram. I don't want to brag on Justin and Pat's behalf, but we are popping off in the meme game right now. So go check that out. And with that, we'll see you next week. Bye.